Hey everybody, Steve DeLaviaga. I love this podcast. My sponsor and partner at Nova Home Loans in Las Vegas, Dustin DeHart, is our sponsor for this event. And um, we've got Brett Tanner. I spend 30 minutes with Brett on business and entrepreneurship and why it's going to be more important than ever in this post-COVID new normal program. Brett's also our mastermind speaker coming up on Thursday with Dustin. So uh, special thanks to Dustin. Enjoy the episode. You'll love it. Hey, everybody, Steve DeLaviaga, Sales Excellence Podcast. I am with the longest-serving member of my mastermind crew and uh, one of my very good friends, uh, Mr. Brett Tanner. He owned a brokers. He runs a huge team in town. He's got a huge rental pool. He's the founder and CEO of Metrics Coaching. He's coached more agents on database and how to generate money than anybody I've ever worked with. BT, how are you, brother? Hey, brother, how are you? Excited to be here. Uh, I do not do a ton of this stuff, but it is an absolute honor to get to do it with one of my really, really good friends. So I'm, I'm very honored and happy to be here for you and appreciate the mission that you're serving here and helping people develop sales excellence and leadership. And so just honored to, that was an amazing intro, but I think the best part of my intro is that I'm your friend. So uh, I appreciate that. You are my man. I appreciate you. And uh, it was fun. I got to chase you a little bit because I know you don't do much of this anymore, which is why I wanted you to do it. You and I grew up together in this 08, 09, 10. And we've been talking for 12 years about how we kind of would like another run just because before we were starry-eyed kids trying to find our way. And now, like you say, we have the roadmap in the book. So so first of all, tell us, Brett, why this run of this recession we're obviously going into is different than 08, 09 in your mind. What are the differences? So it's fine. You said it very, very well, right? And the last time this happened, I was kind of forced to just sit there and watch. And I got hammered a little bit early on in 08 because I didn't know I didn't know the playbook, right? I didn't know right. how the dominoes fall. So I would say if you took 2008, 9, and 10 – what happened over those three years basically just happened in the last three weeks or the last five weeks. I think that's the, that's the best way you could ex- – now, there's some differences, but, I mean, in terms of yeah. the, the chaos and the panic, instead of it being three years, it was just, it was just it's, five, it's condensed to five weeks, which makes it feel worse, but it, it's probably you know, about the same as it was then. So I think what's different this time, obviously, the health component makes it different. Uh, the unemployment makes it different than before. You know, before we just had housing only. This time, it's you know you've got some other factors that that are causing it. But it's um in terms of I think how your audience and how we approach it, I think there are a lot of similarities on how to approach this um, and win. Good. Walk me through your top two or three in your mind. So um, you know, for me, I pro- I I started reading about this you know whatever early March. Uh, I was actually in the Virgin Islands. I was, it was totally normal to go on spring break in early March. Like it was not a scare. And while right. the, the 12 days I was gone, by the 12th day, it had gotten weird and it was a little weird getting back. Um, so when I came back, um, I really followed the playbook that was pretty successful for me in the last downturn. I emerged at the end of the last downturn, num- the number nine agent in the country. And so uh, I kind of went back to then. So the first thing you, you've got to do in uncertainty is we've got to be able to calculate some risks in the business, specifically expense management was the first place I went. And, Absolutely. you know, really quickly, the, the, I, I took all my expenses. I just printed out some recent, you know, you can go to your P&L is a great place to do it. But I just printed some paper of some credit card statements. And I put a number by each expense, number one through four. You know, one were things that were entirely optional. And I can explain all these here in a second. 
Two were things that were uh, useful. Three were things that were needed and four were things that were critical. And so in a non-emotional way, you're just going down. Is this a one? Is this a two? So optional, things you do in your business that you, you don't have to do. Like I used to buy my staff lunch on Thursdays. Right? Not as no business relevance. It's just something I was doing to be a nice guy. Entirely optional. Uh, then things that are useful. That might be like software, additional uh, things. Something that makes your job easier. Right? Might make it faster. Uh, then you go things that are needed. This could be some, you know, maybe like a virtual assistant, an ancillary staff, the unproven lead generation might be needed. Right. And then you got critical. The things you can't live without. Your core people. You know, you, that have been with you. Your lead generation that you know works. Your core CRM you know, your rent, the things you can't live without. And so I cut everything in categories one and two the day I got back. So that's, you know, it's been over a month. Uh, I started working and I worked probably almost through the things that were needed. So I went down to the critical things for the business only. And and the reason I did it, and it was, you know, I got- So you cut three and four, one and two were critical and need. You cut three and four basically out of the business. Yeah, anything that was optional or useful, gone. Just okay. get rid of it. I went halfway through needed and I kept the critical. And it was in an interesting time where my staff didn't fully understand it because March was our best month of the year. So I'm cutting right. these things that we need. I hear you. You're cutting things that you need, but you know they're not business critical. And I think what happened here is your phone rang and you got stuck. <laughs> His phone rings while we're on our podcast. This is what happens. You there? <laughs> you get you back? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I can yeah. hear you now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, got it. So, so you you kept critical, need and wants were gone. That's where we yep, left off. Yep. So, yeah, anything that was optional, useful, and some of the things were needed, gone. And so, it, when I cut that again, I don't know where I broke off. It was just your team. Yeah, we're having. Like, what are you doing? The biggest month of the year. And, and we've had a long time in March and they're saying, what the hell are you doing? Cutting stuff doesn't make sense. And I said, well, we gotta, we've got to get the business to the revenue that I believe we're going to have. And that was the big move to size the business up and, and it created more profit, more cash. Uh, and we're weathering the storm as a company really, really well. Absolutely. I know you did some of your portfolio. You said I've you've made good money on these homes. You wanted to get that some of that liquid too, because those, as we learned, who had cash in 08 or 09, just like in this market, are going to have a lot of opportunity for good decision making. So yeah, my first thing was to right size the business. The second thing I looked at all my investments. You know, I have a number of rentals and I looked at ones that I'd I was just riding the wave and waiting, you know, for Arizona kind of to top out and then I was going to sell some. And I took and converted about seven or eight homes to cash, which created a, a substantial amount of cash. And I'm just sitting and waiting because uh, I think on the backside of this, you know, no, none of us know exactly what it looks like, but it could represent, you know, one of the biggest opportunities in a lifetime. And I want to be ready to take uh, advantage of it. Uh, I would tend to agree with you. And Brett, look at this. You and I were both, I was mentioning a gentleman who, works at Freddie Mac, you and I both knew well, was in our mastermind for years, has been in banking for 30 years. And back in 08, 09, the number of delinquencies percentage was 5.7% US, total US loans. Right. They're modeling now at 16, 18, 22%. That's it. That, that's three, four X, bro. It's a, well, and it's because of, you know, it's unemployment. It's all the things you're, I mean. 25 plus million people on unemployment. <laughs> and none of these jobs are flying back. 
people are like, oh, I'm just going to get hired back as soon as we're back. I know I, the previous company I worked for at FNF, when they've let go 20% of their workforce, they're down, you know, 36, 300 people. They're not hiring all those people back regardless of what the market does because it never works that way. You're going to see, um, and again, it depends on how quickly we get back to it, but I think you're going to see a lot of these businesses, um, you know, niche things like the yoga studio, um, the super niche little mom and pop retail. I think you're going to see a lot of them never reopen. Right. And so what's the impact in the commercial market? But they're, um, well, I'm already seeing some opportunities, you know, just as, as, an, as an example, you know, I do a lot of lending here in Arizona. Um, the blessing of this, uh, if you're trying to find, you know, what's the, what are the positives here? You're seeing returns come back up. People are, you know, you're able to make better loans. People are putting more, they're willing to put more money down. They're willing to pay a higher yep. rate. So you're seeing some signs of the market clearing and maybe some people that shouldn't have been in or were on a maybe. I mean, I mean, you know, a lot of real estate businesses, unfortunately, have just been caught. You know, they got in the business. If you got in the real estate business in 2010 and you wrote the- All you know is Yeah, I was was like, the elevator (laughs) does go two ways. I know we've never seen it, (laughs) but I know you just wrote it to the top floor. It can can go the other way. And so I think you're going to see, it's definitely going to be a time for the people that know their numbers. They know how to run a business. uh, They know how to manage outcomes. Uh, It's going to be a real opportunity. Uh, I- hate to say it this way, but it's just how I feel. And I'm now able to do that in my world I'm in. I'm excited for this. We need this. There's been too many lip syncers that run around talking about being rock stars that have gotten away with a good market, hiding the fact they can't sing well. Now we're going to find out who the very best operators are. And I'm so tired of people giving advice that have never been in a down market, never seen a short sale, never done a real estate transaction in the last three, five, 10, 12 years. Now we're going to figure it out. And I can't tell you, I think there are three or four big niches that are coming in the very short term. And as we learned, remember the people, when you started doing short sales in 08, we were working together and we were closing 10,000 of these I was doing in FNF. And people were like, I'm never doing that shitty business. And you and I'd be like, no problem. Six months later, what were they saying? Brett, you got to get me an account. Help me out. Help me out. How do we do it? How do we process short? Well, that's all coming. You know, it'll look different this time, but you're seeing... Even like when you look what's going on in the industry specifically, like how, you know, the iBuyers have paused, right? Well, they're pausing because they're about COVID. They're also pausing because the, the debt financers are not willing to lend them the money. <laughs> you know, it's partly yeah. risk, but partly it's like, yeah, no, we're not going to lend you a lot more right now to go out there. We're going to wait and let's see how this goes. So, Which is what people with cash do. It's smart. It's brilliant. Like, I'm, I'm like, that. I'm like, great. I think you should wait. Now, when they figure out what it's going to be, like most people with money, then they go harder because they got a bet. And that's how that's how the wealth was made before by these invitation homes, et cetera, buying property. They've done such a good job of analyzing market. Once they get a green light, they're not slow to it. They're fast. Right? Exactly. Walk me through this. I, I know you in your life, you know, we, we're friends. We spend a lot of time together. But I, I look at how successful you've been. And you and I have talked about this, what makes people successful. There's always a certain amount of adversity in someone's life, an event that helps shape kind of who they are, what they became, what they did. Give me an adversity event in your life that helped create who you are, what you do, and how you do it. Well, so I would tell you that one of the defining moments would have been, you know, and, and it's it's perfect for this this conversation, which would it would have been in 2008. And I could tell you the timing would have been like about July or August of 2008, because my son was born in uh, September. And in that mm-hmm. point in time, I was quickly found out to be, I was a quote unquote real estate investor who had 
whatever, $15 million worth of real estate that was worth, it was, I bought it, you know, and it was, one point it was worth a lot more. It was probably worth like 3 million right at that moment. And so <laughs> I'm forced to realize the income that I'd made in the past, again, writing the run up of, you know, the early two thousand, you know, the 2003 or two to, to then I'd been very fortunate and been blessed that I'd had a lot of success, but I was exposed, right? The income that I had, I worked with a lot of investors, they all disappeared. So my income basically dried, you know, went from, a lot to zero. Uh, yeah. My wife's due, you know, the next month, their first child. And yep. um, I really don't know how to make money. I'm getting, I'm trying to work with banks on, hey, look, I got some stuff. Can you give me a loan modification? No. Cool. So I'm sorting <laughs> through all of that. And, it, you know, it felt like the entire world was collapsing, right? And it was brutal admitting that I wasn't an investor. I was a speculator. Um, mm -hmm. I'd been successful because of the market, not because of my skills and yep. being, and so I, I remember literally looking at her and saying, I'm going to leave the real estate business in 2008. Oh, it's, honey, I'm going to go do something else, sell plumbing parts. I, I got to go do something else. This business is terrible. <laughs> yeah. And I even joined, when I joined the brokers, I was like, guys, I'm not going to be here very long. I'm going to do something else. And that was when I ran headlong into short sales. But so that moment of just real thinking that, God, nothing could Clarity. be total. Nothing could be worse than it was for me in that moment financially. Just the whole thing, you know. You think I'd worked so hard to put all this money away. Now my first kid's going to come into the world, and I don't even know how we're going to eat. You know, it was just a, it was not an ideal time. You know, it's fantastic. First of all, this is so you. You told yourself the truth, even though you didn't like the answer. And because you did that, you could get real with where you had to go. And I will tell you, I knew you then, and I knew what you were trying to be, and no one worked harder. And I think having Cooper at that time, you thought you worked hard, it was just you and Taylor, and you, but you can figure that shit out. You guys could live in a shack and be happy. But once the big boy is coming, dad knows he's got to provide. And I think that impetus pushed you to create a better life that you wanted for him. You agree? A hundred percent. The hardest part, the way I'd won before was just my own effort, right? I'd worked really hard right. and I could run really... But I realized with him, I couldn't work 100 hours a week anymore. I couldn't do the things I used to do to be successful. I had to do it differently. So I had to go internal and realize that my skills were going to be – I had to develop and learn work how to manage you. people. Like how do I lead and manage people? Um, yep. How do I, I – I wasn't an investor admitting that and saying, okay, that model was just lunacy. Now, now what is the model for if I find an investment? What does that look like? And how do I assess risk? And, you know, and it went on that journey of just – learning and discovery. I mean, it's been a, uh, you know, it seems like a thousand years. It's only been 12 years, but um, it really can show. So that moment for me shaped, you know, I would tell you a large part of who I am just going through that and getting um, and having that experience. All right. So in this gap, you went immediately, which is what makes you so successful and people you coach expense management, dial that in. What other strategies and or tactics are you focused on coming out of this thing with knowing, like you said, you and I both said the same thing when we first got a phone. May is going to be a shit show. That's where it's going to get real. Government stimulus checks are over. You've spent them. Now it's real. What do you want to get out of this gap strategy or tactic that you're going to be implementing and employing going forward? So what we're talking about on our, our team, right? You know, every, every business is, I, I think that every business owner has got to decide much like they're reopening states and there's a strategy for that. Uh, what I'm talking about with my companies is what's our strategy to reopen the business? You know, we didn't shut down. 
but we're reopening this thing. And so I've really drawn a line in the sand that May 1, whether Arizona is officially open or not, real estate's been deemed essential the entire time. We are open for business. Uh, we've been open, but meaning we're everybody's coming back in. We're going to get back to what we used to do. And so yeah. that made us successful. So I, I think number one, you got to decide a strategy of what is my reopening strategy for my business? The second thing we're focused on right now is being really honest around what's going to create results. I believe whatever you did two months ago is going to create 25% of the results today. So good. Because the buyer that doesn't have to buy, he's not going to buy right now. The seller that goes, eh, I could sell now, but I could sell a year from you. He's not going to sell. So we've got to tr- dig twice as hard to find the motivated. And then we got to realize there's just twice as much chaos. So if you, if you do, my team, I'm like, guys, you need to triple your effort right now. We got to go. And let's get honest around what that means. Let's not just say it. Let's track it and measure those outcomes to get the results that we want. I love it. And here's the truth. There are still people transacting, but it's more of a have to life event transaction. Correct. It's not, I got my number, so I'm going to do it. Or, Hey, I was thinking about right now, if you're not have to transact, you're not that excited about it. Correct. I, exactly. And so you just, but now the, the key, the reason why you want to still lead you at twice the level when this is over or gets back to normal, that pipeline that you spent, ju- you spent just, grinding it out for this next 30, 60, 90 days is going to pay massive dividends. Cause now the guy that was on a maybe is like, Oh, it's normal. I'm going to buy now. So you're going to, those people aren't going away. You're just today. It's the time to build the pipeline for the future. You are emotional proximity to your database for your future buyers and sellers is what you've got your team. Just that they're, they're pounding harder than ever before on those quote, Raw leads, sphere data, correct? Absolutely. We're 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 putting in again three times the contacts as we were before. I love it, and that's smart because you know that's what it's going to take. Um, coming out of this BT, do you see? I think the difference in this one, there's equity in the market. There was none in 08 or 09, especially in Arizona and uh, Nevada, which are two of my biggest states. Um, I feel we have equity this time around, but do people need that equity now? Because now that job at I was a bartender at a really nice restaurant making a hundred ish, a lot of it cash. That's gone. Do I now need to pivot and look at a different career and take my equity out, which gives me runway and some choice while I do that? Do you see that being a niche? You know, I, it's so interesting. You know, I've had so many calls around the distress stuff, you know, Brett, is it time to go get short sales? It's time to go get your bank, you know, and that. Um, and I said, maybe it's never a bad idea, but I, I think it's early. And I think what's different yeah. this time is to your point is the amount of equity. Like if you can't pay your house bill today, there's nine people that are going to take you out. Not you specifically, but the average homeowner. Right. He right. he's got a hundred or two hundred grand in equity, so it's not he's not a short sale. I mean, he's a long way from being a short sale. So right. I, I think that's you know that's different. I think that in terms of their equity, one challenge that that we don't know yet. I think is going to be can they get that equity? Can they tap it? Uh, I think right now right. to get cash out. You know, I saw that. A lot of banks are just, we're not setting up no, that, Chase. Brett, there's no, we're not doing no lines HELOCs. of credit. Yeah, no HELOCs. No. Um, so that guy that's got equity, you know, he's probably going to have to transact on the investor market or sell to to get he, that equity. He's going to have to sell it, brother. Yeah. This is going to be a sell, go rent for 12 months. But I got 
18 months of dough now that I can live, runway this thing out, look where I want to go because I got that cash in my hand. But Brett, that will increase listing volumes, which then takes demand down a little bit. See, I think the people that get out first are going to be the ones that get the most money out of it. It's the ones that wait. That you're, now you're going to, we're going to see 25, 30,000 listings in Phoenix. I'm sure of it. And that's what, um, that was the reason I put some of the stuff I did on the market so early is that it, I did it at yep. a time where there was still plenty of demand out there and I was able to move stuff, you know, at, at really great prices, if not the apex price. So uh, it made a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. I got it. All right. Uh, skill wise. Um, and I do think that that is probably one of the most under, utilized portion of a realtor's time so far, because again, a fast, good market, you don't need a super skill. Now skill's going to matter. What skill do you want you and the people you coach, train, who work for you, teammates, you want them to come out of this thing much better than ready to go. What's that skill look like for you? So, so the, the biggest skill people have to understand today is you got to understand the numbers that drive your business, right? There's a handful of them in every business and you know, the KPIs, key performance indicators, you know, objectives and key results, whatever you, whatever your flavor of that is. Um, there's an amazing, amazing book, two amazing books on it, but measure what matters by door is an amazing book before it's a, it's kind of a, it, it's very similar to the four disciplines of execution, which I know you're a big fan of, but measure what matters yeah. uh, in my opinion, takes it to another level. So I think I un it. understanding your business, the driving number, like what are we really looking at? Like for an example, you know, one thing you, I mean, understanding what is my pending GCI or total, what do I have in gross commission income coming in next month, right? How many appointments did I have this week? How many pre-qualified buyers do I have? And how did, so we're comparing, I'll just give you an example we're doing on our business. We're looking at week over week, buyers that went under contract, listings that pended and cancellations. Three separate numbers week over week. Say, say those again so our folks get them. Yep. Three things you look at every week. Buyers pended. How many buyer contracts did we pend that week, right? One, five, whatever. How many listings? Not did we take, did we pend? So listings that went pending. And how many deals total canceled? Because that's future data that tells you where it's going, well, correct? So here's what I did. Then I took January 1 to March 1. So I eliminated the coronavirus from the data and took an average of those same three numbers. So I want to understand how is my business week over week comparing to what I was doing before this hit? So Tells me if I'm coming out of it, right? If I'm like, hey, I was doing whatever, 2.4 on average buyer contracts before, and now I'm doing four. Oh, I'm on the right track. I'm doing 1.3. Okay, what do I need to do differently to change that number? And so, and then the last part, if you want to take it to the next level, is why don't you go get those three numbers from your market and see how am I comparing against the market? Because I think sometimes in our minds, we're like, oh, no homes are selling. You go in Arizona, yeah, there's still a lot of homes selling, a ton. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I think understanding where was I at to where I was at before the coronavirus, where am I at right now against the market? And then as you make a change, you see what that looks like. But I think that business owners now, it, it's a true entrepreneur's game. And to be a business owner, you got you to gotta know your numbers, I mean, inside and out. And if you don't, you're, you're just candidly, you're just slowly going to get crushed. I, I love this. And I think that, again, when it's a good market, it hides a lot of sins. Revenue hides sins. But now... It is going to get real. And I can tell you that 
you know, I, I know that there's 8% of FHA in forbearance, openly in forbearance. Now, Brett, you and I lived in 08 or 09. That means they called their servicer, had a chat. Yep, agreed. What percentage additional of that eight do you think is not called anybody, anything just like I'm not paying, I'm not doing my thing? What do you think that percentage is? What's the question? So if it's 8% right now, FHA, that's openly in forbearance. They call, yep. discuss with their servicer. Now, what's the what's the hidden amount? They haven't said anything. They're just not paying right now, and they're not planning on paying. I say it's another five days. Oh, I think at least you know, the, to your point. Well, they're waiting thirty days, so nothing happens. You know, you get almost like a you know you get a grace period, right? Then now, okay, now I'm right. thirty days late. Well, now I'm sixty days. And I'm telling you, having read four servicer agreements. When the forbearance is over on all four, they have to make good the amount that they have forbeared. Well, but exactly. do you pay it all like in four months? Do you just owe all four months or adding it to the back of the loan? Because Most servicers are asking you to pay it up front, pay it in four months, which you know, if you didn't pay too much, you're not paying for <laughs> well, four. That's I, it. It's the kiss of death of the ones that are doing that, right? I've seen some that are saying they're going to add it to the back end. Now, I don't even know how you do that from a legality standpoint. So that's the interesting right. part. I mean, what about You've just got all these scenarios. I mean, there's so much bad information. You know, what? when, for yeah. example, in Arizona, they came out, the governor said, you can't evict anybody for 120 days. They followed the, but what people miss, I had to go read the actual executive order if it's backed on a government-backed loan, right? Because I, I had a few of my tenants, you know, they're going to get a little creative and they're going to say, yeah. no, we're just not going to pay. We don't have to. It's like, well, this isn't, uh, unfortunately, this one isn't government-backed. So you're actually going to have to pay. Right, and if they if there was a reason and there was a documented case, I, I have no problem working with yeah. someone, and I'm sympathetic. However, the, if your reason is the government, it's like if no. Your, your, the reason was literally, I heard I don't have to pay. I said, well, you do have to pay, right? So I think that you know, getting so you know, skill of knowing your numbers. I think if there was a second skill that I could add on to that, I think we all, we all need to better as a business owner if you want to capitalize this on this. You've got to understand what's going on in the economy and reading up on from credible sources on like what's really happening. I, I was making a joke to you earlier. My wife laughed. I, I started buying the Wall Street Journal. I have it subscribed. I'm getting it in paper form. She's like, how old are you? A thousand? I'm like, well, babe, I want to, I like to read the paper. I want to touch the paper. Yeah. And so I'm reading the paper. I want to understand consumer behavior. I want to understand why the used car market's plummeting and how that impacts just different things. And because again, I, I believe this will be an incredible opportunity, you know, for those that are ready. I love it. All right. Um, do this for me. What's the piece of technology you think is going to be critical coming out of this? Is it going to be learning video? Is it going to be, you know, phone script conversation? What's the piece of tech you think is going to be critically important here? Uh, I think you're going, I think the tech that's going to be key. I think it's, it's the same thing as probably always been important that people overlooked. I think knowing how to actually determine where the gold is in your CRM, right? It's a, it's yep. a piece of technology we've all had, but I mean, most people, I bet if you ask them on a scale of one to 10, 10 being you could teach your CRM nationally and people would listen. One being what's my login, where are you at? Most people are a four or five. Uh, I think that knowing how to migrate your data and how to engage those conversations, how to see who's doing, how to kind of rebuild or reignite that pipeline becomes critically important. So I'm, I'm, um, I'm lower tech on, on that, but I mean, I believe in the behavioral analytics and, and understanding your CRM and, and the other piece of technology I think is just understanding data. 
So, you know, in the short sale era, this became a data game, figuring out, hey, I don't want a short sale in the beginning that was a Bank of America first and a Chase second because it'll never close. I want a, right. I want a Bank of America first and a Bank of America second because they won't negotiate with themselves and I can get the deal done. But understanding that data became critically important to my success. And it'll be the same. So I think being able to figure out where the opportunity is by understanding the data will be critically important. I love it, man. You know, what I've always respected so much about you is your ability to take something that sounds complicated, make it simple, and then you just execute it at a level very few people do. And I, I will say this data is the new dollar. It is the future. And I don't know if anybody, anybody I work with, my brother knows it better than you do. So thank you for your time today. I know you're, you're a quarantining up uh, in the mountains, which is good for you. Please say hi to Miss Taylor and your beautiful family for me. And I love you, man. Stay safe. Stay healthy. I will. Thanks, brother, for the opportunity. Appreciate you. Take care. We'll be good. Be good.